Welcome to the Impact Investing Podcast from Circa 5000. I'm Matt Latham. And I'm Tommy Gillicuddy. Remember, nothing in this podcast is financial advice, and when investing, your capital is at risk. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. We're back with another episode of the Impact Investing Podcast. Uh, I think this is episode 41. Um, But I start the pod with some very sad news today, Tom. Oh, really? Um, Because we're recording this on the same day that we recorded the previous episode, Mm. it's going to have to be a cut-down admin corner. (laughs) So... That means that we've probably just lost. We've lost 50% of our listeners. <laughs> Straight away. Um, but good news is this episode will be the highly anticipated <laughs> and much talked about UK economy episode. Holy <laughs> crap now. <laughs> um, which is only highly anticipated because we've been putting it off because it actually requires a bit of prep. Um, so we've managed to pull together some preparation for this. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the UK economy the last 10 years, basically, um, and where we are. So we need the extra time. We've had to cut down admin corner, and also we're recording two on the same day, so we don't know what's happened in the charts. So, Tom, over to you. Speed admin. For a micro admin. Micro admin. Um, Keep your questions coming in. Podcast at circa5000.com. Listen, like, subscribe on Spotify and Apple. Share them with your friends. You can watch the videos on YouTube. Um, Could have made up some chart news, but it just wouldn't have felt right. I mean, um, I imagine after the last episode, we're probably number one in all the charts. I imagine we're number one everywhere, the US charts, UK charts. But maybe after we've gone through the UK economy ones, the episode will drop out of the UK charts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Tom, the UK economy, well, can you please give us a 30-second review of the last 15 years? <laughs> what an exhausting 15 years it's been, everyone. Um, and so... The UK has been in a bit of a tough spot, I would say, since uh, the 2008 financial crisis and after that. And I think that if you were to condense everything down into two you know, large reasons to why we've underperformed our peer group, um, the first would be in 2010, um, uh, it was the Cameron Osborne government, um, uh, David Cameron, the Prime Minister, George Osborne, the Chancellor, um, they came in. And in the aftermath of the financial crisis, they embarked on a program of austerity. If you remember back to that time, the word austerity was being used about a million times a day. Yeah. And we were told at that time that it was the only option that was possible. Um, we needed to rein in all of our spending. Um, we need to cut back on public services, cut back on the NHS, uh, policing, every area of government expenditure, apart from certain areas like pensions, were to be drastically reduced. Um, and this lasted for a number of years and basically meant that in the aftermath of financial crisis, whereas a lot of our peer group countries, they the, the government started to invest heavily, kind of like counter-cyclically it's called. So when there's a depression, you invest and that gets you out of that kind of environment. We didn't enjoy that kind of period. So we had low growth, which led to kind of low productivity and it laid the foundations for a lot of discontent in our society, which then explains what I think number two, which is the second biggest factor in the past 15 years has been the Brexit referendum and the result that happened in 2016. So austerity for a few years laid the foundations for discontent. We then had that vote and you know, not going into the politics of, of that, but the economics of it meant that almost the moment that vote happened, foreign direct investment into the UK, which produces a lot of growth and you know productivity, jobs, et cetera, started to dry up. And we just embarked on a number of years and you know to the present day of arguing with ourselves in one way or another and not thinking about economic growth. So that's like the 15 years kind of almost in a nutshell in those two uh, 
big macro things that have happened to the UK economy, which haven't happened to any of our other peer group. Um, our peer group, number one, embarked on a program of, of uh, spending to boost growth in the aftermath of the financial crisis. And obviously none of our peer group have, have been dealing with the fallout of leaving the, the EU. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think the reason we wanted to rewind and go back and have a look is because we talk a lot about, you know, we've done, we've done episodes talking about the budget. We've done episodes talking about um, the, the UK economy and where it is right now. Um, you know, to a lot of people, the point where we are right now, you could, you maybe think that it's a hangover of COVID. You maybe think that it's a, um, you know, something to do with the Liz Truss and quasi Quarteng budget factors. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. But, you have to look at the comparison of mm. where the UK was going into those things yeah. and how it performed coming out of, say, yeah. COVID next to its yeah. its peer group. Yeah, uh, I think we're one of the only, if not the only, major developed economy that is still at a lower level than we were yeah. pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, there's, so there's there's three. Before we go into like where we're up to today, there's I think there's I mean you could pick a million different stats on how you present what has happened over the past 15 years and how we've been effectively left behind by our peer group. And I think it's very tempting in the UK to think that everybody's experiencing the exact same things that, that yeah. we are currently. And I think just on that, it's important to say every, there's loads, all the economies around the world, all the major economies are, are, are experiencing yeah. high inflation. They're all experiencing yeah. rising interest rates and they're all feeling the effects yes. of those things. Absolutely, yeah. The difference is, is it's, it's not, it's not directly the same as what we're no. experiencing because yeah. we have this period of austerity, which you can't cut your way to growth. No. We cut back while others were investing. We were cutting and not we were trying to cut down while uh, interest rates were at historic yeah. lows and we could borrow very cheaply for yeah. investment. We missed that opportunity as a, as a, as a country. Um, and we also have this weird media narrative due to the independence of the of the BBC, but also the reluctance of the two major political parties to to talk about Brexit mm. in any sort of negative sense, that yeah. we have to pretend like Brexit isn't a factor in anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Bank of England were pessimistic about their forecasts on Brexit. They said it would take sort of three or four percentage points long-term off, off uh, GDP. Yeah. They've now come out and said, we thought that would happen over a number of years. We think it's all happened. It's all happened already, yeah. At one go. Yeah. And we all think we have, we think it's all happened more or less yeah. instantly. Yeah. So, um, you know, that that is another huge factor which, yeah. you know, other European nations aren't dealing with. Yeah. Uh, and the US certainly and yeah. those other countries yeah, yeah, certainly yeah. aren't dealing with. So here's three data points which illustrate, I think, that to people that think that we're in this with everybody else, we are in the current environment with everybody else, but prior to this, Problems have been brewing for a while now. So in 2008, our GDP per capita, so GDP per person, was ahead of the US. We were both at that time on around 50,000 US dollars per person, effectively, you know, effectively earnings wealth per person, a kind of proxy for that. Yeah, yeah. Now we are $24,000 behind the US. So ours is roughly flat to slightly declining today since 2008, and they're now at 75,000 US dollars per person. If we continued on our trend line, which most of our peers did, if you look at it against Ireland, Canada, Norway, you know, Germany, whoever else, each per, if we'd continued on that, each person in the UK now would be 50% better off than they were. That's just if we were in keeping with our, our yeah. peer group, other, what would be kind of wealthier nations. Similarly to that, UK wages. So real wages want to adjust in for inflation. 
are lower today than they were 15 years ago. So we're earning less money per person than we were 15 years ago in our wages. So what you have in the UK economy is our top 10% of earners are still comparable to the peer group, Norway, Germany, US, they're in the top five. Our average though is 12th and our bottom 5% is 15th, which is lower than Slovenia. Yeah. So the the bottom 5% of our society earn less money than the lower the lowest 5% in Slovenia, yeah. which is stark. On a, on a comparative. On a the- comparative basis, yeah. The most stark one, and this is something that we we talk about all the time outside of this, is that we now have the worst access to healthcare in, in, in Europe. Um, huge waiting list that we've got, and the, the NHS is understaffed and underfunded. And now the life expectancy of, uh, of the average person in the UK is declining. And here's the stark stat that, that you look up for yourself and you can see, but the, the, to, to give you a data point of how tough it is in certain areas of the UK versus London and areas of the Southeast is there's a measure called healthy life expectancy, the healthy life expectancy of someone's life before they start to get seriously ill. Um, the healthy life expectancy of a man in Blackpool in the Northwest, you know, just not far from where we're from, is 53 years, 53 years old, um, which is the same as Sierra Leone, the same as a man in Sierra Leone. The UK average is 69. So in certain areas of the UK, you get a healthy life expectancy and life expectancy of, of you know 16 years less. And it's not too dissimilar in Liverpool, where you're from, where we're sat. It's not too dissimilar in Wigan, where I'm, where I, where I'm from. You know, all the areas of the North and Northern Ireland and areas of Scotland, I don't think people outside the UK realise how hard hit some of the areas outside of London and the South East have been these past 15 years. I would say as well, I think, if you took a, if you took a, uh, a poll of people, you would, you would maybe think people would say, well, the average life expectancy is 75, 80. Yeah. They would think because they, yeah. because we have this situation where there are some people yeah. <laughs> living long longer. Mm-hmm. But the other th- the other issue we have here is that, you know, again, politically, you can't, you can, the only criticism you get of the healthcare system mm. is of the government that's in charge not, Funding it. Funding yeah. the healthcare system. But you don't actually get any critique of the healthcare system itself. itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, even even the politicians that are underfunding the NHS all, mm. always come out and just sort of say, you know, our brilliant doctors and nurses, which no one would disagree that doctors and nurses don't do a good job. Yeah. But, like, you, 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 can't just, you can't just put these media narratives over the top of stuff. There's a real fundamental problem here, which is, which is affecting the the wealth of this country, the well-being of this country, mm. the real ability for people to live well and live long in this country yeah. is being directly affected by the fact that we have a completely dysfunctioning healthcare system. Completely dysfunctioning, yeah. And it's, that's a huge, has a huge impact on kind of economic growth. I mean, as you, as things stand today, there's like almost like that whether it's, I mean, neither political party wants to have the honest conversation about what's happening right now. The first thing you've got is you've got, you have got Brexit economic headwinds. We voted for something, but with no plan to make it leave. And there's still no plan as things stand to make it, to make it, to make it work. Sorry, after we've left. The second major thing is that we, we kind of, we cannot finance the public services we desire, like the, like the NHS, for example. We want, we have this simultaneously, we hold these views of like, we want low taxation, but we want like European style public services. The two can't, you know, they're not compatible. Another, another big thing is like, Planning laws restrict the building of anything. You know, they're, they're building loads of houses opposed by young and old people. Pe- and people want houses built in theory, but just not where they live. Yeah. Um, and then the fourth, the fourth thing that I highlight is, and this is 
I think it goes towards that life expectancy thing is the UK has one major economic centre that is wealthy. Yeah. The stats of that city are quite good. There's a couple of pockets of, of, of problems, but even the poorest areas of London in terms of life expectancy, in terms of income, et cetera, and opportunity is way, way different. The rest of the UK needs proper, proper investment. If we're going to have an economy that is more diversified, like a German economy, the US has major economic centres that are different, but Germany's probably a better example because it's a similar-sized country, four or five proper economic centres, but it takes a proper approach to get these things done. Yeah. You can't yeah. You can't just talk about it. What we've been doing the past few years is talking about the levelling up agenda yeah. in the UK, which has just been a farce. You know, yeah. nothing's actually happened. Yeah. I mean, I've got one solution for the... Lower life expectancy in the north of England, Tom. <laughs> if you'd like to hear it, I'm all ears, yeah. Because I'm probably I'm probably somewhere in that bracket. Well, you know, if you measure a dog's age, you have a special dog years measurement, yeah. which is what if it's seven for everyone. Human, we have north years. I think you should have northern years. Northern years. So yeah. if you live in certain areas of the north of England, <laughs> yeah. instead of you know you 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 get two birthdays a year yeah, yeah, yeah. for every yeah. summer, yeah. and that way. If you did that, the average life expectancy in Blackpool would go from 53 to 106. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's one. I mean, it's one way of looking at it. I'm sure the people of Blackpool would be, would be happy with that. I reckon if I spoke to some Tory government ministers, oh, they'd, they'd like that one. That. They'd go for that. Um, <laughs> all over it. Anyway, not... There's no such thing as a bad idea, Tom. No such thing as a bad idea. We'll put, it on, we'll put it on the long list. We'll talk about the solutions at the end. That could be one of the solutions. Um... So before we get into any what could be done, there's a few things to discuss before that. I'll see if I can come up with any good ideas in the meantime. Riffing ideas, yeah. And we'll see if they make it into the, the first edited podcast we've ever done. Um, the, the other major, major factor, which is never really discussed honestly by any political party, is we've got an ageing population and a shrinking workforce at the same time. Yeah. So the, the, what, the age, what that does is... It increases the the pension liabilities that the government's got to pay out. There's, there's state pensions. There's obviously private pensions. Um, that it also increases the burden on the health service. So you've got the 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 NHS, which is underfunded, understaffed, but also the strain on it is getting more every year because our society is getting older. We've simultaneously got um, so that those factors simultaneously reduce the tax take that we've got in people retiring and the work the numbers in the workforce shrinking because of either you know, parents dropping out of work to look after the kids because of childcare. We'll perhaps discuss that. It's a huge factor um, and not being replaced. So those in work are not getting pay rises, as we discussed. We, we, we're, we're, we're behind in real wages 15 years. The workforce is, is shrinking. We've got an aging population, which means the tax rate has to increase. So now we've got the highest tax burden in 70 years from, from post-World War Two. So then you go, right, okay, what, you know, what's, what's some way of, you know, looking at this? Well, maybe we should increase immigration as a way to plug it and increase the number of people in, in, in the workforce, increase the tax date. But that's not a political conversation that anyone wants to have. You know, one of the, one of the central factors, if, and if not the main factor of leaving the EU was to take control of our borders and decide yeah. how many and exactly who comes in. So the idea of, that we could just, you know, pump people in from, from around the world to, to work for us seems like an unpalatable political conversation. Um, and what do you do about it? Well, it requires loads of investment to kind yeah. of come onto the solutions. But it, whenever, whenever the government um, talks about increasing expenditure, you get the line of, "Well, where are you going to get the where are you going to get the money from?" So you're in this the like ma the magic money, the tree, magic money tree, what always exists if we want to go to war, but nothing else. <laughs> are you in this like locked position? It's like right, there's these factors we don't want to talk about them. What we're going to do? Well, we can't really do anything, that, and that's the political discourse in this country. And and that you know the the. Uh... 
the cherry on top with that was this was the was the uh, quasi Quarteng list trust yeah. budget where I mean if you want to give them the benefit of that they were trying to do something radical they were trying they were to do trying something, to do something yeah. where they thought well we'll cut tax and we'll spare growth I mean a lot of people would disagree about where those cuts were placed and yeah. whether they were actually going to spare on any investment. I think that was actually probably one of the major problems is that the growth that they had said would come from this like radical manoeuvre just wasn't believed by the markets. Yeah. Um, but we are in, we've backed ourselves into a corner now mm. where we can't, we, we can't go out and spend big. A, it's much more expensive to borrow than it was five to ten years mm. ago. B, we... We've spooked the global markets already by by trying to do something slightly out of kilter, um, and we've just got a government that is trying to not do anything. Basically, just trying to get to the next election. Probably know that they're going to lose it, yeah. But basically, hoping that you know inflation will naturally come down and that will sort of give them some good news story to yeah. take into the next thing. So we've got this thing where there's just not the appetite or the ability to go and do something majorly radical. Yeah. But we've got some fundamental problems that need sorting out like you know you talked about um the workforce half a million people left the workforce and haven't come back Mm. left at covid and haven't come back since Mm. the vast majority Mm. of those are people over the age of 50 yeah and a good proportion of them are long-term health conditions yeah 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 so these are either people who can't get back into work because they're sick Mm. or won't go back into work because when they're looking at it they're going well I will earn less than I did 15 years ago. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Or, uh, you know, so so you've got you've got some major problems here, and we've said it before, but I think uh, there's a couple of things that you need to really try and get at to try and uh, improve the economy. The economy, to a degree, is a function of how productive the workforce can be mm. and how big you can make that workforce. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're 66 million people yeah. in, a, in, a, in a global population of 8 billion. Mm. I, think there's a, I think there's a sometimes a view that, well, we're such a strong, independent country that we can basically do whatever we want. And, you know, we're, we're rich and we'll be better off as a country and we're Great Britain. Yeah. It's just not true. No, no. On a comparative basis now, uh, you know, there's, there's countries in Eastern Europe that are going to overtake us in GDP per capita. Yeah. There's, there's loads of economies that have outpaced us when you look at it over this long-term period from, say, 2010. And it's just we're just not, a, we're just not the strong no. economy that we were. We need to sort out this long-term productivity issue. We need to sort out healthcare, cut those waiting lists. We need to get these people back into work who, are, who have left the workforce since COVID and not come back. Yeah. And... We really need a way of of growing the size of the yeah. workforce and growing the economy. I mean, it's 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 you you can't do this off rhetoric no. either, which is the other problem. Oh God, yeah. I mean, the, the politics of it is is tough. But what you just mentioned there, like that view of we're Great Britain, we'll, we'll you know we'll stand there on two feet and we'll do everything else. Great, but a lot of that comes from the older generations yeah. who who li- who've lived through this like boom time for their own personal finances. So that these are the people we've talked about before that they're, they're currently retired with a DB pension. So they've got, you know, money that the generations that are working now will never get when they retire. They're also people who bought a house for probably two or three times their income levels back in the day. House prices have gone up like crazy during, the, during their lifetime. So they're rich, basically asset rich, 
or in reality much richer than people will, will be who are working now you know when they retire and yeah. they're like why can't you just do what i did you know when when the country was growing like the clappers and and you know there, there was way less impact in the country than there is now they can't understand that things have structurally shifted within our society within a you know a 20 30 year time frame and now we require bold action to fix it but it doesn't seem like uh, you know that the politics of of the country are willing to take bold action yeah I mean, you talk about as well that that disparity thing where you know our, our poor are getting poorer and our rich are getting richer, and it, and the, and we're we're polarizing further as a yeah. as a as a as a country. I mean, you could almost excuse flat economy or f- slightly yeah. flailing economy if you manage to improve. You know, growth at all costs is not the objective. You know, no. growing GDP people people fall on that because it's like well. It's a good proxy for basically yeah. everyone getting better off. And if everyone gets better off, normally life standards are increasing. That's yeah. sort of why it's used. But, you know, there's alternative theories of economics where you say, well, growth is could be inherently destructive. We live on a finite planet with yeah. finite resources, et cetera. We could, you know, it's not necessarily the way to figure out. But we're not we're not achieving what what the objectives that growth is trying to achieve, which is we're not improving people's mm lot in life we're not improving people's standards we're not improving the the standards of public service like you'd put up with the highest tax take tax take in the 19 since the 1970s if you had the highest quality public services within that period as well you know when when quasi quarting and this trust cut the 45p rate of tax the top rate of income tax in the uk and just abolished it you know i I speak to colleagues who are in wealth management and all the rest of it and none of our clients wanted that Mm. They're all happy to pay tax. Yeah. What they want is they're all happy to pay higher rates of tax if it results in higher rates of yeah, yeah. service and they yeah. live in a country that functions. Mm-hmm. They don't want no tax in a completely dysfunctional country. Yeah. It's like we have the I've seen these these like, you know, the vox pops of people in on the streets of like Stockholm and wherever else in, you know, the Scandinavian countries who have higher tax or high you know, probably comparable levels of tax to us now, but the countries function. And they're like, Yeah, we pay because Look! Look what's happening around us. Whereas in this country, it's like the tax take is just continuing to go higher and higher, and things, the observable, you know, public services, etc., are getting worse and worse and worse and worse. So, you know, you, you could forgive very, very wealthy people. I don't necessarily forgive them, but you can see where it comes from. Like, go right. I'm just leaving then. What's the point? <laughs> um, anyway, let's think positively for a second. Well, I'm glad we've got that off our chest because that's been brewing for for the last six weeks. We can talk about this, and we do in our in our in our, in our private non podcast time. Uh, for hours and hours on end because it's before we go into the positive things it's it's sad to observe the country that you grew up in and the country that you actually love you know deteriorate it, it is I and mean, it's happening right in front of our very eyes but I think there's ways to fix it because there's still a lot of great things about the UK economy it's still overall a wealthy economy there's still great things that happen within it but I think we just need some bold economic steps to be taken very very soon in order to reap the benefits of them in 5, 10, 15 years because this is a 15 year story of how we got to this situation right now it's likely to take another 15 year story to, to restore us back to the path that we were on how do we do it? I mean, the problem that you've got with some of these suggestions is they, they, they involve spending some money. But I think that we've talked about this in a previous, you know, this is a while ago now, but if you can articulate a growth story, which does involve spending money and increasing like a debt to GDP ratio, the markets could still respond to that well. So you 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 articulate a growth story from the government, which is aimed at investing in the, you know, the the uh, the industries of tomorrow, renewable energy, life sciences, medicines, renewables. Um, sorry, I mentioned that twice, but nuclear, AI, things like that. 
Starmer's tried to do a little bit of this with his kind of green growth agenda. I think it needs to be way more fleshed out if people are going to get behind it. But investing in those areas, investing in, in them, not just in one pocket of the country as well, making the UK more bulletproof, uh, transferring a lot of that wealth to different areas of the UK. That's a, a key thing that they've talked about and talked about since we were born. Yeah. That's never, ever been done at all. Um, that needs to be uh, talked about, articulated clearly, and then needs to actually be executed on because they talk about, you know, regional development levelling up over and over and over again. They never do it, but it, now is the time to do it. We've left it too late and there needs to be a clear articulation of that. So I think you can increase that to GDP, um, even though the current Jeremy Hunt uh, Chancellor and, and the government are trying to bring it down. I don't think that makes any sense at the moment. Take it up, but invest it properly. You need to you need to take it up, spend it smart. I mean, the trouble is, is like a load of sort of token gesture uh, you know, comparatively piddling little bits of money. Yeah. You know, it, you just end up with these, right, ludicrous things where, you know, I think uh, Rishi Sunak did a press conference at Blackpool Airport, which was shut, you know, basically <laughs> saying, we're investing a load of money in infrastructure in Blackpool. And then someone said, well, why have you shut? Why is the airport basically closing down? Because it yeah. doesn't function. It was, Next it was, question, it, please. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, uh, no, I'm over just here for my photo opportunity. Please don't ask me any real questions. Um, <laughs> I came in on my private helicopter. You know, so. it's, it's, it, it's, uh, it's, you need to do these, we've talked about it before, you need to do impact investing in your own economy. Yes. You need to do the things that kill two birds with one stone. You need to do the things that are clearly demonst- demonstrable as, as uh, fuel for growth. Yeah. You don't need to be these vanity infrastructure project, projects, HS2. HS2 is being cut down, 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 down. It's you know it's basically going to be a high-speed rail line between Euston and Watford, I think, at this yeah. rate. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, and it's just massively over cost, massively over time. It's going to be obsolete by the time it gets yeah. delivered. Yeah, yeah. You need to start investing in cutting healthcare waiting time so you can keep more people active, more people healthier for longer, more productive, yeah. economically productive for longer. You need to do something about childcare so that people who have children can still continue to work and it doesn't mm. cripple them financially. Um, and you need to do stuff like building housing. You know, building houses creates jobs, which creates wealth, which creates yeah. <laughs> homes for yeah. people who then have some an asset that they can, you know, live in. But also, uh, we've talked about the pros and cons of using a house for retirement. But having yeah. an asset is to your name is, is something to have. Yeah. Um, and we need to invest in the transition to clean energy. Yeah. Take our way, our you know, take our reliance off oil. Take our reliance off natural gas, which is higher than most other countries. And we need to. Um, fuel that green economy. A lot of people talk about it. Yeah. You know, both Labour and Conservative talk about it, but you know, it requires it requires a proper mm. strategic long term investment in transitioning the economy into these high growth yeah. areas. You know, we've got a battery plant that went bankrupt in the north uh, east of England. Which yeah. you know, with these things, these if you're serious about this stuff, you need to you need to put some roots down yeah. and invest in this infrastructure for the long term. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 what they never seem to do on, on on that kind of thing is they never make the economic long-term economic argument for things like properly funded health services, proper transport, infrastructure, the rule of law. You know, we've had policing cut massively. They never make the economic driver argument for any of those things. It's always just, this is a cost. Yeah, but it's a cost with a benefit. Mm-hmm. And doing them properly, investing them properly, has long-term economic benefits. Um, the last thing I'll throw in there, and this is not uh, economic, it's political, but whether you're left, right, centre, whatever you are, I think that in order to get these things done, unfortunately, we need to change our political system in this country because the, the we have a political class which is 
ill-equipped to make these decisions and is full of people with vested interests and some of them are really subpar. So I think that we need to, some of them is probably generous, some, you know, so I think we, even though it seems ridiculous to say it right now, given the environment that we're in, I think we need to pay politicians more, get better politicians in, ban them from having second jobs, reform the voting system, reform the House of Lords to make it elected and just get better quality people in politics to make better decisions for us. You know, there's countries where it's not the perfect example, but Singapore, for example, there's problems with Singapore, you know, but we're not going to go do that as a, as a, as a, as a soundbite or a separate episode, but they pay the politicians a lot more. And it's a country that started from, you know, not a lot a long time ago, and it's built itself to be an economic powerhouse of the very small country. They have better caliber people running the country. We need the same. We need to ban all that as well, all that nonsense. (laughs) So that, I think, is a good time to to calm down. Glad uh, we got all that that off our chest, I'm honest. (laughs) Leave that, leave that for this week. But maybe we should do, I mean, I'm loathe to uh, highlight episodes that we've not agreed to do or or ones that require preparation, but, (laughs) um, you know, maybe we should take a look at the EU and the US as well, and, yep. and do the same exercise because look, not everybody, not every, it's not as if everywhere else is a land of milk and honey, and Absolutely we're, no. we're, you know, we're on in isolation. Everybody has ridden the the, the two thousand eight financial crisis, COVID, and this current uh, inflation and interest rate reset period. So you know, economies have all ridden those waves. It's just about you know, there's a couple of other things within the UK that have made it yeah. more difficult um, and. And are not, it's not impossible to correct either. It just no. requires some thought and creative thinking. Thought and, and will, political will. Exactly. So we'll leave that there for this week and we'll be back next week. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Impact Investing from Circa 5000. Thank you for listening to Impact Investing, a podcast brought to you by Circa 5000. Remember, when investing, your capital is at risk and this podcast is not financial advice. If you like what you hear, then please remember to like, subscribe and share the podcast.